service. Is anybody aware of the uh, Christian holiday that was celebrated just two days ago? Anybody aware of the Christian? Epiphany, oh my goodness, my people, you are on top of it. Yes, we are again following the Christian calendar, not the Gregorian calendar. We are directing our lives, ordering our lives around Jesus Christ. Anybody know what Epiphany is or what that's all about? You don't have to answer that, but you can maybe give the three wise men found Jesus. That's right, the magi, the wise men. We don't know if there's three or 30, but tradition says three. But the idea of this epiphany was that the star led them to Jesus Christ, and they had this epiphany. That, that's become a part of our common lexicon and language. We have these moments these uh, where our eyes are opened, uh, where we realize something profound, something life-changing has happened to the world or, or happened to us. What do we call them now? We call them... Uh, Aha moments, right? You kind of heard that worked its way into our common vernacular now. People get these aha moments. And, and sure, in our lives, we've had our own little aha moments or some maybe bigger aha moments, unveilings, epiphanies that come upon us. Uh, maybe it happened whenever we uh, went off to college or university and stepped into a classroom and, you know, new ideas, new books, new thoughts, new concepts kind of like opened up a whole new world to us. I, I never realized, I never, uh, never knew, and we just were, we're just enlivened, we're excited by these epiphanies, these unveiling moments. Um, sometimes the unveilings aren't as super exciting. You know, maybe, um, you know, somebody comes home from work and they think it's just going to be dinner and a quiet evening and their spouse sits them down and says, uh, well, here's the reality about our future or, or, or lack thereof. And you can kind of realize, oh, you know, again, epiphany, my, my life is, is never going to be the same. Maybe somebody's had a nagging or persistent physical ailment and they've can deny it no longer, and they go off to the doctor, and the doctor uh, confirms what was suspected. We have these epiphanies. We have these moments. We have these revelations. Uh, sometimes they're very exciting. They're, they're, they open up a whole new world to us. Sometimes uh, they, they cause a world to come crashing down upon us. Of course, literature loves these kind of epiphany moments. This has been celebrated through some of the greatest literature throughout the ages, some of the greatest stories that we tell. Uh, Dorothy tumbles down this rabbit hole, and this whole, you know, this wonderland, you know, is kind of revealed to her, uh, even though it was probably induced by hallucinogenics. But that's another point there. Uh, it, it's a whole new world. It is opened up to her. Uh, uh, Dorothy literally peels uh, or, or kind of pulls back those, those curtains and unveils the reality of Oz, and it leads to the freedom for, for her and for her friends. Um, not super modern anymore, but I will date myself because this one is kind of just uh, just ground into my uh, kind of thought about this is uh, the movie The Matrix. You know, the, the the idea that you know Neo takes this red pill and then reality you know is opened up to him. You know, everything that he thought he knew was a lie, and The Matrix is what really is and he has to deal with this new reality sometimes we embrace and again we're changed in these epiphanies these unveilings these aha moments are are, are wonderful uh, i was thinking about this week and i was reminded of a friend who i haven't, I haven't seen in years this is another season in ministry in my life and i'll tell this story because it didn't happen under my my preaching but um in the church i was serving you know i got to know his story and part of the story was well i 
you know, I, I, I grew up in, in church. I grew up uh, calling myself a Christian. Uh, I got married. I had kids. We were going to church. But if I'm honest, uh, it was just kind of a, a part of life. It was part of the rhythm. It was, you know, it was a good thing to do. It was, you know, being, you know, the way I was raised. But he said, one day I came into a church service, and an hour later, uh, I was a changed person. I can't even think of any particular word or thing that happened except that the Spirit came upon me and Jesus was as real to me as my wife, as my kids, as you. I just knew it and it just had a profound change. It was an epiphany for this person. His life would never, ever uh, be the same. Sometimes we want to suppress the epiphany. Sometimes we want to suppress. What I love actually about that Matrix story, I'll, I'll tell this before we get, in, get on to the scripture sermon. What I love so much about that Matrix story is actually that character, uh, Cypher. If you remember, apologies if you haven't seen the Matrix or forget the story. But there's another character who took the pill, saw reality, went into the Matrix, but he can't deal with it anymore. He's like, he's, and he has this great line, ignorance is bliss. Like, yeah, I don't want I don't want to deal with truth. I don't want to deal with reality. I don't want to face what this revelation has, has, has brought to me. Well, we are in this season called Epiphany, and it is about the unveiling, about the revealing. It's about pulling back this curtain. It's about seeing things the way they really are. And what our scripture is revealed for us, what God has revealed for us is here's reality. And it's a good reality. It's a good revelation if you're willing to hear the news. It's that God is, of course, now with us. Traditionally, we celebrate this uh, by telling the story of the Magi coming and revealing the kingship, the lordship of Jesus Christ. I think I preached on it last year. Uh, if not, anyways, I'll go back and think. But this year, I wanted to go to the other story that is often told around this epiphany, this unveiling season, and that is in the baptism of Jesus. Because in the baptism of Jesus, we see this unveiling, this revealing of the reality of Jesus Christ and what his being with us actually means. Now, of course, this is part of a long tradition of God revealing things in the scriptures for us. God has been about the business of revelation, of revealing, of pulling back the curtain so we can see who we really are and who God uh, really is. Uh, all the way back from the Old Testament, again, I was thinking about it this past week and I was reminded of a wonderful story. I should preach on it again soon. Second uh, Kings chapter 6, Elisha uh, is with his servant and there's this uh, invading army coming, crashing kind of upon the city. And the servant is freaking out and he's like looking around. He's like, they've got chariots, they've got horses, they've got soldiers. Uh, we are as good as gone. And uh, Elijah says, you, you, I'm going to pull back the curtain. I'm going to unveil something for you. And he says this prayer and says that his servant's eyes were opened. And then as he looked, he actually saw the Lord's host of angel armies on the surrounding hillside. And then they intervened and they diverted the people to Samaria and God's people lived in. God has been pulling back the curtain, revealing things. Into the New Testament, of course, Jesus is, is always about this business of, of revealing himself, the reality of his being, uh, 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 his being God with us. People are having these epiphany moments. Some of them embrace it. Some people have a hard time dealing with this new reality being revealed to them. Um, well, Jesus' baptism is something that reveals this new reality for us. And so here we are. We're going to read this story for us. Let's see if make the technology is working uh, right here. We're going to jump into Matthew. I can actually pick up with the tail end of what I preached on uh, back in the Advent, the Christmas season, uh, with uh, verse 11 here. 
And uh, John uh, was setting Jesus up, and he said this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And then we jump over to, and then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the word of our Lord. Amen. I'm going to date myself again with a Dana Carvey character from Saturday Night Live called the Church Lady. What was the church lady's favorite uh, expression? She'd be talking about some sin, some evil, and then she'd say, oh, I don't know, who was that? And I, 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 I'll embarrass myself, Satan, right? Uh, okay, if you're paying attention to what is being revealed here, um, picture a guy with a pitchfork and burning in quenchable fire. Who do you think of? Probably not who you're thinking of. It's Jesus. This is the description of Jesus from John. John is the one who says, here's how I want you to picture our Lord and Savior coming. He's the guy coming with the pitchforks and flames. And what's he doing? He's bringing judgment. He's separating the wheat from the chaff. Now, again, back at Christmas, I'm going to turn you back to that. John, we have to love John's desire to see justice fulfilled. We have to love and affirm John's hope that the righteousness of the kingdom of God would be established and sin would be wiped away. But Jesus was going to point him in a different direction. And, and the direction, of course, was that mercy has to come before judgment. Because if judgment comes first, none of us gets out of here alive, remember? If judgment comes first, none of us get the opportunity for mercy. So, so, so Jesus is very significantly having to tweak John's vision, John's hope that the kingdom would come with military might, that the throne of God would be established in Jerusalem, uh, that it would be a military victory, that they would overthrow the Roman Empire, and the kingdom of God would come in that way. But Jesus is saying, I need to reveal to you something very significant, John. And of course, in this, he's giving us an epiphany. He's revealing something to us now, very significant about my ministry that comes in. And as Jesus comes in and he comes to John, he says, I'm coming to you to be baptized. Which again, this didn't fit John's script. This didn't fit his story for how he thought things were going to play out. But Jesus says something just very uh, directly, very simply and to the point. Now, if you are a red letter kind of Christian, and simply what I mean by that, again, if you're not familiar with these things, um, some of our Bibles, uh, they've gone ahead and they want to highlight the words of Jesus for us. So those words of Jesus come to us printed in red. You ever notice that? Anybody? Anybody? And, and some, some of us grew up with good, like a red letter kind of preacher. I grew up in a church. So I was always like, these are the red letters here. So they always did shake their hands. I, 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 I instinctively <laughs> shake my hands. 
shaking my hand when I said this. Um, so if you are a red letter kind of Christian, which we should be red letter kind of Christians, we should love these words of Jesus. We should love all the words of scripture. But notice what Jesus says here are the very first red words. The first words we have recorded of Jesus and all of the Bible and all of scripture, all the New Testament, because Matthew is the first, is what Jesus says here. This is Jesus's response to the image that John had of how Jesus was going to come rolling in. Jesus comes in and he's like, okay, where's the pitchfork? Where's the fire? Where's the judgment? And Jesus says, I need to be baptized by you. And he was a little taken aback by that. But Jesus responds with this very, very direct, very immediate response. Let it be so now. This is to fulfill all righteousness. This is to fulfill all righteousness. And with that, it says that John consented. I don't know. We don't know if he was excited about it, if he was still putting this is the thing with epiphanies. Sometimes it takes us a little bit to put the pieces together. John is kind of putting the pieces together of this new revelation for himself, and he's consented because somehow we understood, okay, if Jesus is doing this to fulfill all righteousness, this is what has to be done. Now, here's what I'll say about that for all of us gathered in worship today. I will not put my foot in my mouth and have to stand before the coming judgment of God at one point in Christ's return by um, trying to muse too much on why this is required to fulfill all righteousness. You can read theological text after text after text of people wondering why this is so essential to fulfill righteousness that Jesus would have to be baptized by his cousin, John. We don't know all the details exactly why it has to happen to fulfill all righteousness, but this is what has been revealed for us. This is the epiphany for us. That it fulfills all righteousness is our hope. Let me just say that again. That this is the work of Jesus fulfilling all righteousness is the hope in which we stand as believers in Jesus Christ. What we put our faith on is that Jesus Christ is fulfilling all righteousness so that we no longer have to stand in our own righteousness. We no longer have to rely on our own doing rightness. We no longer have to rely on ourselves seeking to live a perfect and sin-free life. We now are invited to the opportunity to stand in the fulfilled righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it is the fulfilled righteousness of Jesus Christ that fulfills all of these things that we were just talking about in the Christmas season. That Jesus fulfills all righteousness is the foundation of our faith. That Jesus will fulfill all righteousness is the source of our hope. That Jesus fulfills all righteousness is our fact that we can actually have peace now with God because of that righteousness. That Jesus fulfills all righteousness is the source of our joy. It is the source of our being able to love like Jesus Christ because he fulfills all righteousness. You're not as excited about righteousness as I hope you would be at this point. I get it. I get it. I understand. Kind of got to bring you along with this. Let's talk about righteousness for just a moment. There was a guy named Martin, and he was really, really obsessed with trying to be right before God. 
Uh, in fact, um, this guy named uh, Martin was a monk. And by the practice of his monkery, I didn't make that word up, by the way. That is an actual word. By the, his monkery, he was trying to stand right before God. There was probably, arguably, nobody who prayed more, who read the Bible more, who studied more, who did more penance, who, who, who served more, who sacrificed more, who committed. He, he, he out-monked all of us by all of our monkery. And you know what it got him? It got him really tired. In fact, if we can infer from a lot of his writings, it got him really depressed. It, it got him really joyless. It got him really down. It, it, it got him to the point of despair in his life. And then on this one night, he's reading from the book of Romans, which he had read through apparently daily. He read the book of Romans daily in his monkery. He came upon chapter 1, verse 17. And something was unveiled to him. He had an epiphany. For whatever reason, the Spirit of God comes upon him, and he has his own epiphany moment when he read these words. i got to read, read them out here, here for you. For it is in the righteousness, for the righteousness of God is revealed, is unveiled. You can have your own epiphany in this revealing from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. And what he knew in that moment, what he understood in that moment, is that he needed to put his faith not in his own righteousness, but faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ's mission and ministry on earth was about the business of fulfilling all things that could and would make us right for God, with God, now and forever. And that's what Martin Luther put his faith in, and it was his epiphany. It was his transformation. It changed everything for Martin Luther. So this isn't some theological splitting of hairs. Well, now do we try and earn our righteousness for God, and then we feel good about things? Or do we ac accept, do we embrace, do we receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ? And then in gratitude and joy and hope and love and overflowing faith, do we live through the righteousness of Jesus Christ? It's that one. <laughs> we, now, now, don't misread me. Don't, don't, don't take this too far. Should we be about the business of our own monkery, so to speak? Of, of course. We should be devoted to God. We should wake up and study the word. We should have times of prayer. We, 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 should, we should do acts of service. We should sacrifice uh, greatly for God. We should give generously to the work of God. We, we, should, we should do all of these things, but all of these things must come out of a flow of gratitude because Jesus has already fulfilled all righteousness for us. I hope this might be an epiphany for some of us who have seen our faith and our Christianity in this life of being a Christ follower as drudgery, as monkery, as work. I mean, again, it is work. We put effort into it. We give it our best, but it flows out of the righteousness given to us in Jesus Christ. That is the epiphany. That is the revelation that Matthew's talking about. That is the revelation that Martin Luther experienced. That is the epiphany and the revelation that we are all invited to step into. Well, let me speed along here. Um, uh, so Jesus, uh, John consents, and Jesus is, is, is baptized. He goes down into the waters, and when he comes up, it says that the heavens are opened, and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descends as a dove, 
and alighted on or landed on or came upon Jesus Christ. And then a voice was heard from heaven and the voice said, Behold, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. This is the epiphany. This is the revelation. This is who God was and is and forever will be. God has given us the great grand revelation that he exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, just like I did with the nature of this, I don't know exactly how the Trinity works. I'll just admit that or confess that to you. I don't know how the hypostatic union of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing as one God now and forever uh, we can talk about that, we can drink coffee and reflect on this, we can muse on this, I, and, and, and we would benefit from it. We're not going to unpack all that today. The point is that it has been revealed for us to know and worship this God who is so grand, so great, so immense that he has to be revealed as this triune being in communion, in relationship, one with another, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it is for us to receive this epiphany, it is for us to receive this revelation, and to worship, to acknowledge, to move forward accordingly in the exercise of our faith. A couple things we'll say about that. Um, that the Holy Spirit comes as a dove, the Holy Spirit isn't a dove. This appears to be a metaphor, this is an understanding. But here's what is so significant about this that doesn't get talked about too often in talking about Jesus' baptism, at least in my experience of hearing others preach about it and reading what others write about it. It's very significant that the Spirit appears as a dove and not an eagle. We love eagles. We love eagles in the United States. The eagle is our national bird, right? The, the, the bald eagle, a wonderful, majestic, powerful bird. We aren't the only people who, who always loved the eagle. You know who else loved the eagle and chose it as their emblem? Rome. R R Rome. The, you know, the, the Rome was very often, the, the, the leading armies would have a big staff, and on top, of that, on top of that staff would be a very large golden eagle representing the Roman Empire. It would have made perfect sense in John's understanding of the ministry of Jesus that if all of a sudden the heavens opened, and this giant eagle like nobody had ever seen before came down on Jesus Christ and he took over the army and he established military victory. That would have fit perfectly with John's motif that he was aiming for, for the coming Messiah. But that God revealed his spirit as a dove said something very significant about the mission and the ministry of this Jesus. That he was coming as an olive branch to all of humanity. That he was coming not to bring war, but to make peace. He was coming to establish new creation. The dove that we saw earlier in the story of God's redemption, and there's others along the way, and it's very interesting, but the one that a lot of us might be familiar with is on the ark, after God's judgment, after the world has been cleansed from all sin, when God is beginning to do a new thing, Noah sends out the dove, and then the dove comes back, and, and then he sends out again, and then the dove comes back the second time with the olive branch. The time for the new beginning, the time for new creation, the time for building something up is coming upon Noah and his family and the people of God. 
And this is the image. This is the symbolism. This is what God is showing us is about to happen. I'm about to build up a new kingdom of peace and mercy, of love through my son, Jesus Christ, by the filling of the Holy Spirit in this way. And it's very telling, of course, that just as the first red-letter words of Jesus Christ would lead him into his baptism, where it is revealed for us, Jesus Christ, the Son incarnate, being blessed by the Father in heaven and being filled by the Holy Spirit. If we jumped ahead, all, of course, all the way to 25 chapters to, to, to 28, what would we see there? We'd see the last words of Jesus. And what are the last words of Jesus? We're covering a lot here this morning. I hope I'm keeping you all together here with me. As we jump all the way to the end, what are the final words? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And know that just as I have been with you now in these 30 years of ministry, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And so it is just as Jesus comes to us, we as Jesus' followers go to the world with our olive branch, offering the peace of God. Just as Jesus was baptized and it revealed the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together to bring this plan of redemption to its fruition, so we go and we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus taught all the words of God that we would know his love for us and how to live with God now and forever, so we teach all that Jesus has commanded us. Just as Jesus was showing that God is with you, the Holy Spirit with us now shows that God continues to be with us now and forever. This is the epiphany. This is the unveiling. This is the aha moment for us as the people of God to step into this revelation for us. Years ago now, when I planted and worked with people to start the first Connections, the one that was happening in London, Ontario. We have a visitor from Toronto here this morning. Uh, we had our very first uh, baptism service after a couple months of doing ministry, and that was wonderful, and that was a fulfillment of the mission of God and us doing the job to go to the city of London to share the good news, to teach them Jesus Christ, to welcome them into the body of Christ, and to do that through the sacrament of baptizing. Well, we went through this wonderful, beautiful, amazing worship service. But something happened after the service that was very interesting. After the service, this woman came up to me, and she'd only been uh, worshiping with us for a few weeks at that time, and she was weeping. Weeping might be a little strong. She was crying. It wasn't like ugly, like sobbing, oh, you know, like, like ugly crying. It was like, like she, was, she just came up and she's like, I can't stop crying. And I said, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> she's, she's, why can't I stop crying? And uh, by, by the, by, thanks be to God, perhaps I was filled with the spirit because I didn't stumble over it too much, but I do remember it vividly. Um, I said, well, uh, are, are they good tears or bad tears? Because I know that sometimes we shed good tears and sometimes we shed really bad tears. And, and she said, uh, I, I think they're good tears. And I said, well, I, I, here's what I know about, about babies being born. 
I've, I've had three babies born in my life with my wife, and there was a lot of crying involved in everyone. She was crying, I was crying, the babies came out, and they got slapped, and they were crying. There was all kinds of crying all over. But it was good crying, because we were celebrating new life and new birth. I said, might you be experiencing the epiphany, the unveiling, the revelation of new life and new birth in your own spirit? She said, I think that might be exactly what's happening right now. I said, then that's a very good thing. That's a very good thing indeed. And thus began the journey of teaching her more about following Jesus Christ. And several months later, then celebrating baptism with her to step into the promises of Jesus Christ. And so with that, I will invite the band to come forward. They're going to lead us out with a little bit of worship. But as they do, I'm going to pray for our own epiphany right here, our own revelation right now. And I'm going to be bold enough, certainly, to pray that God might be revealing, unveiling himself to some of us right here and right now. Some of us, maybe this is another epiphany, another step along the way of continued faithfulness and discipleship with Jesus Christ. But maybe for some of us, this might be a moment of the epiphany, the revelation, the experience of new birth and new life in Jesus Christ. When the Spirit comes upon us and we awaken to the reality of the redemption and the life, the forgiveness of sins, all that is offered through the promises of Jesus Christ, that is something we celebrate, that is something we sing about, that is something we praise God for here in this church. So let me be so again so bold as to offer a prayer. And if you want to say a prayer of epiphany, prayer of committing your of receiving jesus christ and committing yourself to him whether you've done that before or you're doing it for the first time in your own heart in your own spirit you can just pray along with me i do as i say often i try to pray this in one way or another just about every day this isn't a one and done deal for followers of jesus christ this is part of the daily moment by moment even recommitment of our lives to jesus let's pray heavenly father i thank you so much for the revelation of your word that shows for us your wonderful plan of salvation, that in Jesus Christ, you are about the work of fulfilling all righteousness. And now I, again, and we again as your people, receive this gift of fulfilled righteousness. Make us right with you. Forgive our sins. Call us your own. Make us a part of the family of God. Do this by the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. If that is something that you want to talk about, pray about, or step into in 2023, there's nothing that I or Pastor Ruth or others would love to talk more about with you. But let's worship God now and have our own epiphany and glory.